The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On this episode of the Paracast, we have one of our fearless roundtables featuring our co host Tim Swartz, another co host Kurt Collins, and I'm Gene Steinberg, and you're not. And we're going to be talking about lots and lots of topics. And these are going to be really fascinating, so stick with us. We also have some questions from the audience, from our forums that we'll want to get to. And first of all, when I was talking to Kurt off the air before we got started, I asked, what's up with this quote-unquote whistleblower, David Grush? What's he been doing, Kurt? So there was a recent, a recent UFO conference hosted by the Saul Foundation, which is, and Dr. Gary Nolan, who... Some folks know he was is one of the prime movers of that, along with a partner. And uh, when David Grush introduced himself or his paper resume, when he was testifying before um, the government, had said he was a um, something like a coordinator or a founding member of the Saul Foundation. And then later he's been changed to an advisory member. But they had all these speakers. Jacques Valley was there. Eric, Dr. Eric Davis attended but did not speak. Uh, Kit Green. I'm just many prominent people in, in ufology. And they had a, a final speaker who they just identified as a mystery guest. And it turned out to be David Grush. So the organization is tied deeply with Grush. And apparently they're in great, you know, uh, the majority or the, the, the founders, the operators, support his his position so he's still around and from what i hear he just gave a short version that recapped things and promises there's more to come I, I don't know about his specific claims otherwise what is this organization you're mentioning sol saul foundation i guess short you know saul is the sun i guess they're supporting uh ufo transparency and release of information and and you know, it, it seems like another sort of disclosure goal group. The difference being that it's um, by some pretty credentialed people. Okay, I've not heard anything about this organization. It's we- fairly new, and this, this conference is their first event. But they have a website, and there's the information you can get is pri- primarily on the two uh, principals, uh, Dr. Gary Nolan, who's a who's a biologist by background, is in cancer and neurological research, I believe that sort of thing. His partner, Peter, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, S K A F I S H Scoffish, 
and I don't know if he's more of an investor. I'm not real sure on that. But uh, they're they're the the primary names, and 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 of course, Dr. Gary Nolan is is friends with Kit Green, who is a member of Bigelow's circle, and so Jacques Vallee and and Putoff and all those folks are closely associated. That what some people call the usual suspects. That sounds kind of dire. You know, just the other day, I was rereading the book from Mark O'Connell, The Close Encounters Man. It's about Heineck, kind of a biography with the orientation towards his involvement in UFO research. And it's interesting there because you mentioned Jacques Vallée, how Heineck was hanging around with Vallée in the early days, back in the 60s, that far back. Yeah, so it, I, I think I knew about their friendship, but it was only recently I learned that um, uh, Heineck even had contracted or had secured a contract for Valet to do some um, what amounts to programming work, database selection stuff for Project Blue Book. So, you know, I had no idea until then that that uh, Valet was associated with uh, Blue Book in any way, but he was uh, an assistant or contractor or something along those lines. A really, really strange history there. And these days, of course, we had the the Trinity book, which is kind of a big calm down from what he was. You read that book, didn't you, Kurt? I read the uh, the, the first version. I understand there was a, a revised edition that contained some, I don't know, some fine tuning and maybe some additional stories. But, this, you know, the, the basic story was unchanged from what I understand. And it's a, it's a pretty peculiar crash retrieval story, a a sort of a proto-Roswell that took place two years, allegedly took place two years earlier. I also wonder here when you get to early crash stories from the 40s, of course, the Trinity affair, Roswell, and of course, Aztec, New Mexico, whether some of those details over the years got scrambled a little bit and they moved in one way or another. I think, for example, when we read the story from Frank Scully's book, Behind the Flying Saucers, about Aztec, that it was a highly distorted version of Raswell related by these two con men. The, the people who choose to believe in that think so, that, that the real event was Roswell and that the, uh, the Scully book was imitation, and the other people that feel completely the opposite, that, that the Scully book was the model for the story, and then it was recycled as Roswell, because in the original Roswell story, you know, there was nothing about the recovery of bodies, and uh, the uh, there was nothing to indicate that what was recovered was even large enough to, to be manned, much less have a crew of whatever it was supposed to be, 16 or so. So it's, it's um, I don't know, if, if you want to give us some credit, you can say it's a chicken and egg story, but I, I think I think it's a goose egg. <laughs> Is there any other kind? <laughs> but seriously speaking here, that's an interesting slant that Roswell was built upon that. But then you've got all these people who 30 years later started talking about it. And when you research Aztec, 
Very few people have any information at all. The book that Scott Ramsey wrote on the subject was threadbare in terms of evidence. Forget about the earlier book on the subject. And when you talk to the people about Roswell, there's a whole bunch of them that remember what happened. So that's why I wondered where the chicken and the egg was. The um, one thing, one thing to you know, remember about Frank Scully's book is it was it was the second um, nonfiction UFO book out there. Um, it, it came out in hardback right after um, the paperback by Donald Kehoe, and they were both bestsellers. So anybody that had an interest in UFOs, flying saucers at the time, had heard about it, and a great many people had read it. And it was later in a book of the month club, and I mean, it was it was uh, you know. Um, well, and, and, you know, bestsellers reach far more people then than they do today. A lot of people, a lot of people read. So uh, a lot of people had, had either read the story and then many more people had heard some version of it in the newspaper or repeated on radio, which is, you know, was huge then, too. So uh, I, I think a lot of it, um, they were sort of primed for the story, and some of them may have half remembered it, didn't know where it came from. You know, memory can't play tricks. And and as far as the number of witnesses, I take a lot of, um, I give that a lot more faith when it's contemporary witnesses close to the original date. But, you know, when you start going beyond 10 years later when people surface, you know, you look today, how many people have, they, well, there's the thing about false valor, people who claim to have served in Vietnam or some other war and have medals, and they really didn't, or the number of people in the 60s, 70s, and beyond who claim to have attended Woodstock that were never there. You know, they want to be associated with something. There were also people in the, oh, oh back around the turn of the 20th century, there was a, there were a whole bunch of Whiskered old men coming out of the word work claiming to be Jesse James or even uh, John Wilkes Booth. We've got Kurt and Gene and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, 
are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Before you continue with that, Kurt Collins, I want to mention something about Woodstock, okay? And I did not attend Woodstock. I have no memory of going to Woodstock. But the reason is, I was working at a radio station in Springfield, Vermont. And we got tickets for the media to go to Woodstock. And I had gone to other rock events like the Saratoga Springs Art Center, where we saw Richie Havens and Vanilla Fudge and those early artists. So we got the tickets for Woodstock, okay? We got the tickets for Woodstock and... The program director says, you've got to work on Saturday this week. And I said, I've got this ticket for a rock festival. He said, no, I'll go. (laughs) Now, Now, this is the world of poetic justice, folks. He and his wife went to the Woodstock affair. 
they went, but they were stuck for four hours on the New York Thruway and just gave up. It's called poetic justice. So I have that memory, but I didn't go. I just wonder about stolen valor. I think maybe events that took place 30 years ago, I have difficulty remembering, all right? And that's probably true of everyone. But if I receive a medal for something I did while in the military, or I served with a specific ranking, I'd have to make it up to tell a false story. That's something... I wouldn't make up, and at the very least, I would probably have mementos that I could consult. Oh, sure. The the, the people that have served in the military, and you can ask, uh, you know, Kevin Randall's been a frequent guest, and he can talk about this at length. I mean, he's he knows where to find his documentation, and rank is something that's really important. You know, a civilian, you know, they barely care or even know the difference. But, you know, someone who served, the rank reflects pay grades. I mean, all this is you know, vitally important to them. And they, they're unlikely to make mistakes. And, and, and as he said, uh, they tend to keep documentation for a number of reasons. So you could easily provide that. So, yeah, that, that's, you know, anyone that that's, has reason to a legitimate challenge to their, their military service, they, they should be able to back it up or either write the agency and, and, produce the documents. So, you know, that's something that should be easily settled. You know, a lot of times there has been a dispute about uh, the rank of, of a figure, whether it was uh, Major Jesse Marcel or someone else. You know, it, it's it's quickly determined. You know, this, it's, it's a lot murkier when you have someone like Bob Lazar who claims to work for some semi-secret um, installation at Area 51 and, you know, that the, that the government itself censors the paperwork. Well, the problem with Bob Lazar is allegedly his educational qualifications were also censored, and nobody remembered him anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to wonder about things like that. But you can go on. You were telling us about things like remembering things that are kind of off the wall and didn't really happen. Go ahead, please. Well, you know, I can give one example from my personal life. I remember the family reunion on my mother's side that I'd attended. And so I asked my sister about it. I said, you know, when, you know, when we went and, you know, I assumed we were teenagers. And she said, no, you were, you were in your mid twenties and you took your daughter with you. And, you know, so I was, I was just completely wrong on the details on that. Headed off by, you know, probably, you know, at least 10 years. Uh, So, and I sort of doubted it could happen until a specific example, you know, caught me in a mistake. So, you know, it's more likely to happen, um, you know, if you were in a, in a car accident or something like that, where it was a pivotal event in your life, you're probably going to be able to pinpoint it pretty close. But something like this um, was was not a red letter day for me. And so, you know, that it, it just blurred this, some of the, the other memories, you know, and that was something I was actually trying to remember. Um, but, you know, if you'd ask me about any particular date, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to recall, recall it, you know, 30 years later. It'd be very difficult. I do recall in 2017, my car was hit by a truck head on. That I remember in June of 2017, 
and I had to get a replacement car uh, a few weeks later as I ran out of the auto insurance company's rental provision. You know, when I started getting to the end of how long they would allow, and I think it's 30 days, I said, okay, we've got to get a car. So that I remember. I survived it, by the way. Some people may doubt that, but I was Whoops. basically uninjured. In fact, it's funny. The I had a container of chicken noodle soup for my wife in the vehicle. I was doing Uber runs, and I, in my last Uber run, I was going to go home, and that's before the accident occurred. But I preserved that container, and the police rode me home, and I gave her the soup. And I said, this soup has <laughs> been through a lot. Well, that's a really good example because it just shows that real-life events have consequences beyond the event, interrupt other things you remember for a number of reasons. Um, and and, and a, lot of, a lot of these claims, you know, people – just have this isolated event of a, you know, when, when we're talking about a hoaxed UFO story, they, they, they usually can't relate it to anything beyond and no one else was involved and there are really no repercussions that, that have those realistic details. The, like you mentioned, they did, there's no chicken soup in their story. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. I would think that if somebody had a, you know, an extraordinary event, say, like witnessing a, 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 a crashed UFO, then some of that minutiae detail would also re be retained with that memory. Because, I mean, you know, something big like that, you're not going to forget it. And then some of the minutiae surrounding it will fall within that category as well. What bothers me about Roswell, however, is I understand the memories could be faulty. But... We have no real, few real witnesses to anything that might have happened at Aztec. And you're suggesting here that maybe people read the book from Scully and then fabricated in their minds this whole sequence of events in Roswell. I mean, you could pinpoint a number of these people as being physically there at that time. Well, here's an example. I, I wrote about this in, in an article um Briefly, uh, uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell was uh, um, was an astronaut. Hopefully, people remember him. And uh, so, interestingly enough, he grew up in Roswell, and uh, you know he became interested in all sort of uh, paranormal and UFO phenomena and ESP and that sort of thing. Probably, people the, the first hint of that was he had tried to do a ESP experiment on his Apollo flight, contact someone on Earth. But anyway. Uh, he he was a big UFO proponent later on, and uh, he said at one point that uh, he remembered reading about the the bodies in the newspapers. Let's break it here. We'll have more of those possible remembrances in our next segment with Gene, Kurt, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. 
And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. USA News Update. A suspect accused of killing three homeless men in Los Angeles has been apprehended. He was already in custody, actually, for another murder near L.A. Los Angeles County Sheriff Robert Luna here. By Thursday morning, very early Thursday morning, uh, they placed uh, Jared Joseph Powell uh, under arrest for murder and robbery. He was charged with three homeless men's killings after the car identified near the first shooting was confirmed as the same vehicle present at the scenes of the three homeless killings. Southern states are attracting a growing number of residents as data from the U.S. Census Bureau indicates that more people moved to the South than any other region last year. Southern states grew by more than 1.3 million people with Florida leading as the fastest growing state. Other notable gainers included Idaho, South Carolina, and Texas. The primary reasons for Americans moving include obtaining a larger home, residing in a more affordable area, and enhancing their overall quality of life. Skip Kelly, USA News. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read one. This product has been a godsend for my father, who suffered from a heart attack about two years ago. He was prescribed medications for his condition, which was so serious, he almost died. But he hasn't been able to afford most of the medications. After researching alternatives that were more affordable, he tried Extendivite. Since taking it, he has consistently lower blood pressure and experiences less angina. We are currently on our fifth bottle. I enthusiastically recommend this product, and I am grateful that it is available. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendovite. These are the sounds of someone taking their eyes off the road. Texting while driving is more than distracting. It's dangerous. Do yourself a favor. Do us all a favor. When you're on the road, stay off the phone. A message from CTIA. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? A fearless roundtable with 
Kurt Collins, Tim Swartz, Gene Steinberg, and Kurt's talking about Edgar Mitchell and his interest in UFOs. And something he said that he remembered about Roswell? Right. He he said that he knew people who had, I don't know if directly witnessed it, but he knew about the talk, and he said that he had read about the bodies in the newspapers. Well, in 1947, there were no mention of bodies in the newspapers. And, in fact, there were no bodies associated with Roswell until the, uh, the book by uh, Bill Moore was published in 1980. So his memory was faulty. Now, did he get it mixed up with... Did he get it mis- mixed up with the story of Aztec, which really was big in late 1949 and 1950? You know, it's not that far from 47. Or he was wrong, however he was wrong. You know, but that's one that's one possible contamination of of Aztec to Roswell. Yeah, I seem to remember that uh, when I first read the Roswell book by William Moore and, and Berlitz, I thought, and I, you know, I hadn't read it all the way through yet. I thought that they were referring to um, Scully's book because at that point, I don't think that I had ever heard of Roswell, but I had heard of uh, the event that uh, Scully was talking about. So, I mean, how many other people thought the same thing? Because Scully's book was really popular when it came out. I mean, it was derided, of course. But it was popular. Well, interesting thing. There was there was a resurgence for a, a number of reasons in, in starting around 1975 in, in the crashed UFO story. Uh, Robert Spencer Carr resurrected Roswell briefly, got in the newspapers, and, and, and uh, the legendary uh, researcher Leonard Stringfield uh, became interested in the crash retrieval story because of that. Uh, and I think he he believed Carr a little bit. And Carr himself had no direct knowledge, but he claimed to know people who had seen it. It You know, it was kind of the indirect friend of a friend thing, like we're hearing now, even with uh, David Grush. But it got the ball rolling and uh, uh, in, indirectly led to uh, the discovery of Jesse Marcel's story, which... You know, he said he he saw these strange remains. He didn't mention bodies. The bodies came from another story, which I think was someone recycling the the Scully story. But with all this attention, a a lousy movie was made in in 1980, Hangar 18, which was based on the Scully story. But it's funny that, that it came out the same time as Bill Moore's Roswell book. And so I'm sure a lot of people kind of got that confused. You know, it seemed like, you know, was this the movie based on the Roswell story? Uh, you know, but uh, I'm, Tim, I'm sure you saw the movie. I I thought it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it wasn't the best, but like you said, it it came on the heels from the '70s of a lot of crashed UFO interest. I mean, I remember uh, Jerome Clark had uh, a couple of articles in Fate magazine called "Crash Go the Saucers," where he went and basically debunked all of the current stories that were circulating. And I'd have to look those articles up to see if he had talked about Roswell at that point. But yeah, I don't think at that point Roswell 
was part of the conversation. I don't even, and, and I read a lot of uh, um, Stringfield's material as well, but I don't know if Roswell was was a part of that. Yeah, that, yeah, that's where my memory slips. <laughs> well, Leonard, Leonard Stringfield did interview um, Marcel. May I'm not sure it may have even before Stan Friedman got a hold of him, but he initially just interviewed him by his initials, and it was just. It was a very boring account, you know, bare bones of finding this full-like material. And it, it didn't have all of the juicy stuff that really sold it when it was turned into the, the Bill Moore book, the bodies and, you know, details of the cover-up and everything. And, and the story really needs that in order to, to resonate. You know, you have to have the ingredients, uh, you know, the the secrecy and the intrigue to, to really make it fly. Because... There's no physical evidence. And without a cover-up, you know, people ask hard questions about where's the physical evidence. Well, yeah, but from my experience, I'm more inclined to believe a story that is boring, like you said, than the ones that are rather sensational. Because well, those those are the ones that you, you know, that have that, I don't know, uh, uh, yellow journalism uh, uh, tang to them. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, most genuine UFO sightings are um, a few paragraphs. They're not they're not really compelling enough to write an entire book around. So you've got to bring in a lot of filler. And when there when there is so much drama, um, and like you, and there tends to be a lot of um, oh, let's see, elaborations in. These these hoax stories, and you know, the more characters and the more episodes to the story, the the more likely that it is something fabricated. Because you know, most most genuine UFO sightings are they're like a you know like a quick drive by. It's not a it's not a lengthy encounter, and you don't get to describe the retinas of the beings inside of them, and things like that. Well, plus for me. Any of these descriptions that have come out years later that describe alien bodies as being your typical gray, big eyes, small, that sort of thing, I'm automatically going to be suspicious of because I know that the the whole, you know, uh, um, gray aliens are a fairly recent phenomenon. Yeah, that's that's true. There's. There, there have been people that have tried to go back and find gray-like descriptions, but they kind of have to to fudge. Mm. It's really around it's really around the same time frame we were talking about the '70s, where this is sort of coming around, and it, it seems to have evolved from um, a retelling of of the of Betty and Barney Hill story. They, they were small. Yeah, but beings. even them, they were. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't have like the you know the big eyes and no. uh, that that became prominent. Well, that's like um, uh, when I saw Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which I think came out what nineteen seventy seven. At that time, when at at the end, you know, when the creatures came out of the UFO, I mean, they they look like the your your typical grays. And at that time, I was thinking, that's a new one. I haven't. You know, seen many descriptions of them looking like that. I distinctly, you know, you talk about uh, uh, 
memory and stuff. I distinctly remember thinking that when when I saw that movie. Yeah, they were they were they were weird looking. Even the people who were familiar with with UFO lore, that was not the the, the dominant conception of an alien at, at all. And, and of course, the uh, the eyes there were still several steps away from the the big, large, really big black eyes that would later uh, dominate the conception of the grays. So you know, one thing we don't talk about too much is the alien race that was depicted in the film from the 1950s, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. And they all wore these robotic uniforms. And one is shot down, and they take the helmet off, and you look at this decayed being that has a superficial resemblance to a gray. You can't tell, of course, it's a black and white film. But we had that going on then. Also, there was a time anomaly situation when they were aboard the spaceship and they were living between seconds. And that was later adapted, I think, in the UFO field with missing time and things like that. So this film, low-budget film with great special effects from Ray Harryhausen, had a big influence anyway. Tim Swartz, Kurt Collins, Gene Steinberg, you're in The Paracast. are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. If you love mysteries, you'll love these two books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll learn about the strange beings that can look like us, but are not. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, you'll see the hard evidence of UFOs that has been ignored or even hidden. These books will definitely blow your mind, and both are now available on Amazon.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. As the cold and flu season approaches, Silver Lungs is ready to help you and your family through the toughest of the year by supporting your immune system and overall health. From our best-selling colloidal silver generating system to our entire line of silver-based skin gels, nasal sprays, soaps, and silver solutions. Silver solutions remain one of nature's most powerful and least expensive antibacterial agents. Now you can produce your own for pennies a day in the comfort of your home using the breakthrough technology of the Silver Lungs Generator. Learn more today at www.silverlungs.com. 
Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So, Kurt, you followed a lot of culture from that era. Did you ever see Earth versus the Flying Saucers? Oh, several times. And you make a good point. Uh, that particular alien depiction is probably the closest to the greys of, of, of any film that I can think of and, and really have a hard time finding one in, in UFO literature. But that's pretty close. And, you know, the the idea behind that was they were a dying race and, you know, they were unhealthy and shriveling up. And so I don't I don't know what they would have looked like in their prime, but they pretty pretty awful. So they wore these robotic uniforms to enhance their senses and keep them alive. That's the key thing about it. And they came to Earth because they needed a place to live. And, well, you know, it's like General Zod in the movie Man of Steel, where they decide to just take it over. You know, it's interesting, too. Man of Steel, which is the Zack Snyder Superman film, borrowed one feature from Earth versus the Flying Saucers. And you'll remember this, where the aliens in Earth versus the Flying Saucers communicate on all communications devices they take them over you know with the announcement people of earth attention people of earth attention repeated in all languages all right the warning from the space people there where they say look to your son for a warning and they create some phenomenon to demonstrate their power 
In Man of Steel, General Zod uses a similar technique to communicate with the people of Earth because he wants to know where Kal-El, Clark Kent's Superman, is. They've had to have borrowed that from something. I don't think they thought it was original. Yeah, that was the man. I didn't care for the film much, but Man of Steel was interesting in that it was a, you know, they they made this particular take on it, more of a science fiction and alien, really emphasize that beyond most other versions of Superman comics and everything. There have probably been a few things that have highlighted that. But, you know, as far as a mainstream product, that's that's the chief one, although. There was the Smallville show, which was very much influenced by the previous Roswell show. Do you recall that one? Yes, I do. Smallville lasted 10 years. You had Clark Kent, the teenager, growing up to become Superman. And by that time, Tom Welling, the actor who played Clark Kent and Superman, was already in his 30s. When the show really started out, they really played off the the strangeness of his alienness and the exposure to this foreign kryptonite and it was given some of the people in the there was even a little bit of x-files flavor in there where you know it would transform some of the the population into monsters or strange powers and things like that so there was a there was a little bit more fantasy and science fiction in that than than your typical superhero drama what turned me off about man of steel and i thought that henry cavill played a great superman the thing that turned me off was all the violence and destruction. Because they destroy Metropolis, they destroy half of Smallville, and Superman can't fight anybody without wrecking everything in sight. And he's supposed to be the guy who is trying to protect life. And you've got to think of how many people died as a result. That's the standard Marvel Comics destruction of a city. And I think they went way overboard. If they cut back on the violence... The overwhelming was, violence, I think it would have been a much better film. Yeah, well, I agree. That that didn't really fit with the, the optimistic nature that's central to Superman. Uh, so, and, you know, remember, I love superheroes and have since I was a kid, but it's really supposed to be for all ages, and Zack Snyder didn't seem to recognize that. You know, he had this, this you know, pretty... Well, you know, he had him snapping the neck of the villain. For, spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. So, you know, oh, no. pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, but they placed Superman in a position where he had no choice. Where General Zod would kill people in this was a railroad, railroad station or something. He'd kill people there if he wasn't stopped. And the only way Superman could stop him was to break his neck. It was yeah. one of those situations that was a no-win situation. And I think the point was here to teach him the consequences of taking a life and making him vow never to do anything like that again. Okay, kill a villain. Kill some horrendous creature from another dimension or something. But don't kill humans. And as a matter of fact, what I think where they destroyed it is in Batman v Superman... They had everybody suspicious of Superman and his motives and Batman being fooled by Lex Luthor to go after Superman. I mean, I think that was overdone. There were things that were really good about it. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, for example. Also, when they did Justice League after 
Joss Whedon destroyed it for the movie version, the extended Snyder Cut, I think, was really, really well done. And when there was destruction there and violence, it made more sense than Man of Steel. There's a place for it, but, you know, they it, they have to stay true to the characters, I think, or otherwise tell a story about another character. I will give you the solution in three words. It's called Superman and Lois. And they borrow elements of the Superman Man of Steel, such as the costume is taken from the same origins there, the costume that Superman wore. But I think they portrayed a lot of action and violence, but in a way that was less destructive. Yeah, so I've, I've followed that show. It's, it's, it's thought, I thought it's been pretty interesting, handled pretty well, you know, true to the character. Of course, the settings and everything's have, have changed, kind of evolved, you know. So, but, you know, every time they do a, do a new movie or a show, they, they want to put their own, own take on it. And, you know, of course, this being on television was definitely a little more general audience friendly. So that, that was, you know, a positive step in, in, in my opinion. It's also more comic book accurate in a lot of the interpretations. Of course, the basic story is here is that Superman and Lois Lane have been married for about 20 years. They have two teenage sons, twins, one of whom has powers and one of whom doesn't. And I hate giving you the spoiler because the series has been on for three seasons. There will be a fourth and final 10-episode season sometime in 2024. We assume all this because of the actors and writers' strike messed things up. I think there Tyler Hecklin plays Superman better than Christopher Reeve. I mean, Christopher Reeve made a good Superman, but as Clark Kent, he turned him into a goofball. And I thought that's way, way against the character that even on the radio show Superman, where Bud Collier played the voice of Superman and Clark Kent and did them in different ranges so you can hear the difference. You know, like, this is a job for Superman, you know, that kind of thing. I'm going much higher there in pitch than Bud Collier did, but you get the point. I think in terms of shows... Tyler Hecklin really has the character right because Clark Kent can be a bit of a goof or a nerd, but he plays a normal guy and he doesn't overwhelm with, this is a comic book. That's the problem with Superman in the movie. It was labeled, this is a comic book that we're pretending to be a serious movie. You know, something about Superman's origins surfaced a few years ago that, that's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, Superman is the, the probably the most famous alien in fiction. But if these pages are genuine, and, and I think they are, uh, the original version of Superman, he was a time traveler from Earth's future. And his father sent him back, not from Krypton being destroyed, but from Earth's destruction. And I think, and, and it was just that people had evolved and his superpowers were, you know, like in the very first draft, well, the published version, everyone of Krypton had powers and that's why he had powers on Earth. Well, in the Earth's future, we, you know, we had evolved and that's why he was called the man of tomorrow. But that that didn't sell. And I guess they rethought it because having Earth being destroyed 
anywhere in the future was kind of too depressing. So they instead, and they were science fiction fans, the Jerry Siegel and Jerome Shuster. So they just made it space instead, and you know, an advanced civilization. So that idea is still around. People, some people want to believe that that aliens. Are, are not from another planet. You know, these visitors are from Earth's future, and they're coming to monitor us or collect DNA or whatever purpose they're here for. We are going to break here with Tim and Kurt and Jean, more of our roundtable. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience, so I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident, or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-524-3810-800-524-3810-800-524-3810. That's 800-524-3810. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Just one more reference to Superman. Supposedly, Siegel and Schuster used Jewish folklore and legends and traditions to come up with this Superman character. So, in a sense, Superman is Jewish. And to make matters more interesting, the guy who is going to be playing Superman in Superman Legacy, the next film, is half Jewish. So he's the real Superman. Everybody else was fake. It's interesting. A lot of a lot of famous comics creators came from a Jewish background, but because that wasn't particularly marketable, and you had uh, Jacob 
uh, Kurtzberg calling himself Jack Kirby and Stanley Lieber calling himself Stan Lee. You know, there were a few instances like that. I mean, you you name a famous comic character and it was probably created by, by a Jewish artist and writer. There you go. Okay, we got to have more Jewish people play these roles. Okay, and we need to, you know, have a rabbi role in that series somewhere. Seriously speaking, let's get back to other stuff here. But I think we started out by pointing out that the culture, the pop culture, has so heavily influenced our perceptions of UFO-related events, going back to Roswell, people remembering 30 years later and maybe not getting it right. One thing I should mention, though, because you mentioned briefly Betty and Barney Hill, there are a few pages of that story in the book about Heineck, The Close Encounters Man. And they remind me of things about it, which is that most of what happened, they did not recall until they underwent repeated regression by Dr. Simon. And nowadays, you know, we're very skeptical about hypnotic regression because it's not really bringing out accurate memories. It's too easy for the therapist, the hypnotist to lead the witness. Here we have a psychiatrist who has no knowledge of UFOs and we don't know what damage he could have done. But you wonder here, when you read it, when they first meet these aliens, other than their appearance, they could almost be military people taking them into custody. That's right. And it's so the way it's been explained to me, or at least my understanding of it, is that under hypnosis, imagination can take over. You know, the person is asking you to tell a story, and sometimes there's a setting, and so imagination can fill in details. So it's not a way to turn back the tape and replay it. You know, it's it's there's a lot of you know, memory is faulty, and then it, it just doesn't produce an accurate record. Now, sometimes hypnosis can help people remember some things, but I, you can't go back and replay a, accurately a month of your life. It, it's not going to allow you to do that. So, you know, there's some invention and unintentional fabrication involved, even by, you know, sincere people. Um, so what do you think happened to Betty and Barney Hill? uninterrupted journey, Dr. Simon is quoted as, as saying that, you know, he, these people were traumatized. You know, they, they um, were affected by their experience and what they believe happened to them. But he didn't think it was a real physical event. Um, you know, they, that there were nightmares and they, they relived this. I don't think the story that they told is exactly what happened to him. Maybe there's some subset of that, but I think it just went through too much processing. And with the hypnosis, um, there was kind of a cycle. I think as they told the story, they believed more of it, you know, and, and dream morphed into story, and it just got bigger and more elaborate. And the thing is, again... I wonder if this wasn't some kind of military experiment. They lived near a military base, were friends with the people in the military. They're an unusual couple because it's an interracial couple in the early 1960s, where interracial couples were frowned upon. It's not like today where most people don't matter, except, of course, there was a subset of people who 
or aren't really very much enlightened. But in those days, they had to have been victimized because of their situation, and they seemed to be perfectly decent people. I met Betty Hill. She seemed like a normal, pleasant, friendly person. So I didn't meet Barney Hill. He died before any of this took place. But could they have been a victim of a military experiment to see how people would react if they were kidnapped by aliens? I mean, we were doing a lot of funky things in those years, especially the, the U.S. military. This is going to be a question for Tim spinning off of this. So in, in uh, Jean Bollet's Forbidden Science volumes, he talks about his conversations with, with uh, some other UFO researchers that had government contacts, and, including Dr. Kit Green. And they discussed the, po- the possibility, uh, and even a- as a proven what they, they had reason to believe that these, these uh, military-sponsored or government-sponsored abductions had actually taken place. So, um, Tim, I wanted to know if you had, had heard about this and if you had any, any thoughts on, on whether this was contaminating the, story, the pool of stories. You're talking about, like, uh, uh, my lab? That's right. Types of situations. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, that's that's something that has come out with a few alleged abductees. So, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the government to, I mean, I, I don't think that they are initiating, for the most part, abductions, but I wouldn't put it past them to... Um, go and get people who have claimed to have had abductions just to see what's going on and to see if there is, you know, some actual, you know, like uh, um, underlying commonality uh, between them. You know, because as far as I'm concerned, despite what the government military says, there's been interest in the UFO phenomena, and that includes these high strangeness cases like abductions for a number of years. I mean, they they may come across and go, oh, we've never heard about this before, but I think that over the years there's been a lot of interest and a lot of work done to get a better idea of what's going on, but saying that, I doubt if they actually have gotten too far along the lines. Most of the stuff that the government does is is not motivated by pure science. And, you know, a, a sociological experiment would be kind of out of character. I mean, all, all the, the military, all the, the craft that they've built, the, the, the peculiar vertical takeoff and landing devices and things like that, have all been with a specific goal in mind and, and you know, money uh, funded for this particular purpose. So, so if they, they did uh, engineer abductions, I would think that they would have some specific goal in mind. Um, and the only thing I can think of is I remember uh, there was at least one episode of uh, the old Mission Impossible show where they uh, – they faked an alien encounter in order to trick some evil dictator into, I don't know, you know, to either giving up a secret or, you know, something along those lines. So, you know, I, I just, I think it would take something like that, some purposeful um, idea behind it and not just a, 
experimentation or you know to torture people you know there has to be some cause i mean some some reason behind it there's a uh, there's a great episode of the x-files that starts out with this couple on a road being uh, abducted by uh, uh, an alien and then that abduction is stopped by another abduction <laughs> with uh, big-eyed greys that turn out to be soldiers in disguise Let's call that abducting the abductors. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or something like that, right? Tim Swartz, Kurt Collins, Gene Steinberg. This is a special roundtable, folks, where we talk about a lot of current issues. And we've got a lot more to come. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hey, listeners, I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The Silver Lungs Generator is the only all-encompassing professional class product for producing endless colloidal and ionic silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. With recent regulations threatening the sale of silver-based supplements, now you can secure yourself and your family by producing your own silver solutions anywhere, anytime. You can have the peace of mind knowing that you can create endless supply of silver anytime, anywhere, for any application. The Silver Lungs Generator is a one-time purchase that requires no maintenance nor replacement parts for the life of the unit. This product was designed to be an invaluable part of your vital preparations. For a detailed report on the differences between ionic silver, colloidal silver, and what most silver solution manufacturers are producing, please visit our website at www. Silverlungs.com for more information on why you should be producing your own silver solutions right from your home forever. Are you a business owner? Are you confused by the complexity of the tax laws? We can help. I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been helping business owners solve tax problems for over 40 years. My book, The Small Business Tax Guide, shows proven ways to avoid all the common business tax problems. Don't risk your business. Go to danpilla.com to order your copy. That's danpilla.com. Order now and get a free 15-minute call directly with me, a $99 value. Go to danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com. Are you paying too much for term life insurance? There's a tremendous price war among the major term life companies. Rates have dropped dramatically in the past two years. For example, a man age 45 non-tobacco user. $1 million of coverage is only $75 per month, level for the next 10 years. Or a man age 50 non-tobacco user can buy a half million dollars of coverage for a monthly premium of only $110. Guaranteed not to change for the next 20 years. That's right, level rates for 20 years. And if you're a 
smoker, we have great rates for you as well. At the Term Lifeline, we specialize in policies of a half million dollars and above. So if you're looking for new or replacement term life insurance, call right now for a free quote. Rates and availability may vary by state. Sample rate quotes are based on preferred non-tobacco underwriting exam required to qualify. 800-430-1891. Seven million children suffer from asthma more than any other chronic disease. Most asthma attacks are caused by allergic reactions to allergens, including those left behind by cockroaches and mice. In fact, 82% of U.S. households contain mouse allergens, and cockroaches are found in up to 98% of urban homes. How can you protect your family? Find out at PestWorld.org. A message from the National Pest Management Association and the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Of course, we go through all the possibilities of government involvement in the UFO field, and certainly it's possible a lot of sightings were caused by test aircraft. And when you consider how difficult it is for humans to recognize something that they haven't seen before, it's hard to get any reasonable description. So I could see where in the early days this may have happened. Even in Roswell, if it wasn't a mogul balloon, well, it could have been something else. Of course, the argument about mogul that Kevin Randall makes is, well, we looked at the schedules... And it wasn't there. There was no flight around that time. And I think, well, maybe they lost the records. Yeah, that's, I don't know, lost records. I wonder if, you know, a peculiar thing about records, and I may have mentioned this before. So since the uh, Freedom of Information Act became um, available to citizens, the government has made a point of not putting anything on paper that would embarrass them. And so, and that came to be true of, uh, of UFO documents. So they, they you know, kind of changed the language some. Um, and when uh, John Alexander had his unfunded experiment, uh, not experiment, you know, his collection of, of, of researchers and investigators and government figures, he avoided having any paperwork and some eventually leaked out, but it was his goal not to leave a paper trail. And I don't think he was the originator of that policy. Well, that makes me think also of the uh, MKUltra documents, the uh, uh, CIA mind control uh, experiments. They had those hidden in, um, I think it was uh, radiation research uh, documents. And uh, it wasn't until there was, I guess, a congressional hearing uh, about uh, soldiers and civilians who had been deliberately exposed to uh, radiation since the 1940s that some of these MK uh, uh, Ultra papers uh, came out. But by then, there was only a handful of left because, and I can't remember which CIA director it was, when he left, he actually burnt most of them. 
So I don't understand about government records. So when, uh, you know, how they would be able to burn them. And then when we, when we, you know, going back to UFOs, when Project Blue Book was closed down, a lot of the participants in the program kept the files as souvenirs. There was a huge collection that was found and uh, has, has been digitized and uh, of the original records, it's uh, uh, John Greenwald at the Black Vault has a has a collection of those, uh, and you know some of them have uh, uh, the original. You know they're scanned from the uh, the typewritten originals, and they don't have some of the names redacted like the files in Project Blue Book or, or elsewhere. So uh, I, I just I was under the assumption that a government style a file stayed locked up, and it was. Um, it's a federal crime to to remove them. So uh, mm-hmm. there's been there's some exceptions. You know, if they can be kept kept as souvenirs or burned at the whim of an official, that's that that's does that's not what they seem to be telling us. Things are like now. Well, now of course we have people who take boxes and boxes of government documents to their <laughs> home and they stick them in their bathrooms. They're golden bathrooms. I guess that's executive privilege for you. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, you know that also that makes me think of and, and I can't remember which senator it was. The senator from uh, New Mexico, uh, when interest in the whole Roswell thing uh, came out again actually went and was trying to uh, research Roswell and was told that all of the documents from the uh, Roswell Army Air Force Base from around that time period, you know, 1947 onward, had been destroyed. Oh, they were accidentally destroyed. Nothing here to see. So, like you said... You know, uh, normal protocol is is that you know they're stamped and filed away someplace, and they're supposed to stay there and not lost or destroyed or burnt. Yet there we have it. <laughs> oh. So there, there's some good news about documents. Um, so some people may have heard of of APRO, the Aerial Phenomena Research Group, which was the first major UFO club. And that they were uh, they were around from the fifties through the eighties, and unfortunately, uh, uh, Jim Lorenzen and his wife Coral, um, he died first. She died a couple of years later, nineteen eighty eight, I believe it was, and her will did not have a provision for the files, and those wound up in the hands of a couple of private individuals, and they were kept have been kept under lock and key. So uh, it's just happened now that David Marler's group, the National UFO Historical Records Center, has been given these files, and they're massive. It's like, I think, 15 filing cabinets and 60 boxes, uh, and they've been, in, they've been locked up in a garage for, for decades. Uh, and from what I'm told... There are original photographs, possibly some things, some relics, uh, you know, correspondence and things. I don't know how much UFO evidence there will be, but there's original case investigations. And so, I mean, we, we don't actually know it's been locked up. No one's seen this in almost a lifetime. So 
uh, it's going to take a long time for it to be processed and shared. But I'm I'm very encouraged. That's one of the one of the few pieces of good news we've heard when it comes to UFO documents in history in a long time. That was an interesting organization, APRO. They did a lot of investigations of creature sightings. In fact, there was an article I read in Jim Mosley Saucer News, How Close Will Major Kehoe Let a UFO Get? And he seemed to be very circumspect about contacts, landings, things like that, whereas APRO was more forthcoming. APRO also didn't want to call them flying saucers or UFOs. They called them UAOs, Unidentified Aerial Objects. But that label didn't outlive the Lorenzans. Yeah, that's it's it's really interesting. And and looking at the history of the organization, um, you know, MUFON was a spinoff of people who didn't like the way the Lorenzans ran things. And they they formed a rival organization. And it was because of the bad blood between them. MUFON didn't get those those documents when the Lorenzans passed on. But the uh, you know my I've read some of the correspondence between the groups and they seem to be very uh, hostile towards one another and very territorial. Uh, and in some of you know they would to the extent where uh, if like the the APRO was investigating the Travis Walton case and then Mufon kind of snubbed their nose and you know said oh this is another contactee story or something like that. You it know I've got while. stories to tell about them too, but. I'd like to take that to our next segment as we continue with our special roundtable with Kurt Jean and Tim. You're in the podcast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. USA News Update. A federal appeals court Friday allowed lawsuits against Donald Trump over the U.S. Capitol riot to proceed. The court dismissed Trump's claims of presidential immunity. Friday, the House took a decisive vote and expelled Republican Representative George Santos of New York. Before that vote, he spoke with Fox News. If it's their choice to change precedent and loop me in with three Confederate uh, turncoats who were were expelled for treason, so I'll be the first person to get expelled from Congress without a conviction or without committing treason. He's only the sixth member in the history of the chamber to be removed by his colleagues. 
A devoted University of Michigan graduate is suing the state after losing his cherished Go Blue license plate. Joseph Hardig III, a suburban Detroit lawyer, said the plate had sentimental value passed down from his late father. When he attempted to renew it, he found it was assigned to another car owner. John Schaefer, USA News. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, veterinarian and naturopathic physician. The Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy with an important message. Take charge of your health. Do not continue to blindly follow the system that has failed us all. I appreciate GCN listeners because you're open-minded and intelligent. If our system is so great, why is it that the United States, the USA, ranks nearly 60th worldwide in longevity and number one in obesity? All the while, we spend more money than all the other countries combined annually on unnecessary health care procedures and toxic drugs. It doesn't take much to get on track, not with the government or pharmaceutical companies, but rather you in control of your own health with a basic understanding of nutrition and supplementation. FDI Longevity has the finest quality health, sports, and energy supplements available. GCN listeners are invited to join our team of people who want to stay healthy well into old age. We are currently looking for specialists to represent FDI Longevity and save America. To buy products at wholesale prices or join our business team, go to GCNteam.com. That's GCNteam.com. Support GCN. Get healthy. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I had a couple of run-ins with Cora Lorenzen. Back in the 60s, I wrote a summary of the Socorro, New Mexico case. And I didn't quote them exactly, I just rewrote it in a magazine that I edited at the time. And... I get a letter from Cora Lorenzen. She wants me to pay them $100 for using fair material, although the thing had been well publicized. And then, you know, I had a back and forth and basically told her where to go and how to get there in very, very nice language for a teenager. (laughs) 1975. This is 11, 12 years later. I meet Coral and Jim Lorenzen at a UFO convention in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And Jim Lorenzen was a gentleman. Coral Lorenzen was a crusty kind of woman who stared at me and said, I remember what you did in so many words. This <laughs> stuck in her mind for 10, 12 solid years. And she wouldn't let go of it. So I understand why there might have been bad blood for some people, because not everybody could get along with her. This is not to denigrate the quality of their work. 
and possibly it was just oil and water there, other people would say great things about her, whatever it is. I could see where elements of APRO might have resented the Lorenzans and their control of the organization and split off. But that's true with UFO clubs in general. You know, they split apart. It's like rock and roll bands. That's true. And, you know, I think that the fact that they didn't want to share control. Now, they did have a board of directors, but it sounds like very much that the the, the two Lorenzans, you know, ran everything. And, and um, you know, it was a it was a king and queen type situation. And they failed to really set things up so that it passed to someone else's hands when they died. So that, that, that was a tragedy. I mean, it's a shame, you know, the organization, um, there's still people around who are members, uh, and you remember the organization finally, you know, the, the old APRO bulletins luckily are digitized and online and you can see they had a lot, a lot to offer. And I think the, they did a, a lot towards creating a, um, sort of, a you promoting professionalism in ufology instead of just like, you know, uh, they they encouraged uh, PhDs to come on as consultants. It wasn't just a, you know, wild west of every every, well, you know, not to not to denigrate you teenage fan club publishers, but uh, you know they did try to uh, promote professionalism and uh, and bring bring some legitimacy to things. You see, the difference between APRO and NICAP is very much that. APRO was into investigations, but with NICAP, Major Kehoe was basically lobbying the government to have congressional hearings on UFOs. He said, I'm basically, and he said this in so many words almost exactly, I am here working to put NICAP out of business, hoping the government will reveal what it knows about UFOs, and he believed it was spaceships. And then he can go on with his retirement or whatever. Unfortunately, Kiowa had his own problems, which we don't want to get into here. But NICAP really didn't realize its potential at all. And when the Condon Committee happened in the mid to late 60s, that was almost the end of NICAP. Kia was fired and the organization existed, but very little notable work was done by them, although we had lots and lots of dedicated people. Yeah, it would it would be interesting if you could if, if we had a do over and you had someone who was a, a, basically a good office manager and could deal with these these personalities. And so Donald Kehoe, Donald Kehoe being um, assigned the the role of. of leadership of the organization was a poor use of his talent because he had all this network of, of and the reason he was able to write his first book was the contacts he had in the military and then when you put him behind a desk and he's having to worry about budget concerns and things like that you know you just you're just not he can't produce uh like like he was supposed to and when you have to worry about the membership you know the dues and things like that mailing the newsletters that's just not that's a waste of talent he also misused the money because I don't think he really was aware of how to handle that financially. I had heard that they actually found envelopes with money on his sofa at his home, <laughs> <laughs> which we can believe. But as you say, that wasn't where his talents were 
situated. Actually, in most cases, NICAP was run during his tenure there by Richard Hall. He was an assistant director, and he was basically the office manager. He was there every day. Went to work, did this thing, and Keo came in every few days to check things out. And but and with the, with the Lorenzans, just the uh, I don't know how you could have negotiated with them to to uh, share some control of things. But you know what they built was great, but they just failed to deal with the aging of the organization. Uh, you know, both uh, literally and figuratively, and you know, where it grew in other places and competition and other things like that. You know, they they chose to kind of circle their wagons and be hostile towards you know anyone else, and that just wasn't the way to go. And you know, there was there was lip service to communication and sharing information, and but you know, in reality, it, it worked a lot differently. Uh, and. So anyway, I think there's a lot of valuable lessons in, in, you know, the old organizations, the way they investigated, the way they operated. And I'd like to see some of those mistakes be avoided. But it seems like, you know, we mentioned the Saul Foundation earlier, and there's there there are more UFO organizations that have sprung up in the first in the in the last few years than, than I can name. And some of them have already flamed out. But uh, I, I just don't think there's enough. Um, there's not enough material to support them. I don't know if there's enough dollars to support them, but I don't think there's a, definitely not enough talented researchers and dedicated people to support them all. I'd just like to know how uh, David Marler was able to get a hold of uh, uh, APRO's uh, material because, I mean, it's been an object of contention for a number of years that these files have been sitting in you know, a, a locked garage, moldering away, uh, with nobody being able to uh, take a look at him. So I have to hand it to uh, David for uh, finally uh, uh, getting this taken care of. And I look forward to uh, seeing some of this material in, in the years to come, because it's going to take a while to go through it. Oh, absolutely. You know, one thing, uh, one bad thing about the this uh, Marler's organization, he's got some great people involved, but most of them, uh, live the several states away from where the collection is, so it's gonna. They're really gonna need some help in in processing all this. Um, it's um, yeah. I'm looking over my notes now. Is yeah, it's 13 four drawer file cabinets and 60 boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently the what the what the owners of it um, finally decided that he didn't want to deal with them anymore. Uh, and he he apparently searched on the internet and found uh, David Marler in a YouTube video and found him to be a credible and serious uh, researcher and contacted him. Thank goodness he didn't watch some other videos because there were some really much worse places where this could have uh, ended up. <laughs> Well, that's good to know. It's good to have the information, all the work they did over the years. Forgetting about the personalities and all that nonsense, which afflicts lots of organizations. Don't get me started about MUFON. Because (laughs) in general, MUFON to me looks like more of a marketing organization to evangelize the message that UFOs are here than to do solid research and figure things out. 
Correct me if I'm wrong. We've got more with Tim and Kurt and Gene. You're in the Pedicast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So I was ranting there about MUFON. I wonder whether Kurt or Tim had any response. Kurt? I share your opinion of MUFON in many respects. Uh, Now, I think there are a lot of good people who are still involved and, and sincere, but the organization, the, the leadership has had problems, you know, and the structure of it, they, I mean, they, you know, it's partly business. They have to they have to sell memberships. They have to sell conference tickets, things like that. Um, and I think they've they've appealed to sometimes the lowest common denominator. And I think they really sacrificed some of the principles on which they were they were founded on. And, you know, it's just bureaucracy is part of the problem. Um, so there have been uh, efforts, number of efforts over the years to, to reform MUFON. And I think I, I, it's a shame that it wasn't successful because there's a lot of potential. They still have, you know, a good network of collecting UFO cases and they have a good body of, of work to draw on. I'm worried that it'll eventually collapse. I, 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 I don't know how you persuade the, the the leadership or the board of directors or what's necessary to make, make changes, but I think it's really gone astray. You would have to, however, convince them there was something that needed to be changed. Yeah, so that's, you know, anytime you go to a, you know, a restaurant or a club, you know, and they look at the, 10 people that are there, they say, well, I don't see anybody here complaining. And, you know, and there's a bunch of empty chairs. Well, you know, the, the people who are not there and will never come back, they're the ones you need to find out, you know, what their feelings are and, you know, what's, what's wrong with things. And, and, you know, a lot of those places, you know, they, they die out because they're, they're not new people coming in and the old people never come back. Well, also it looks like MUFON hasn't grown all that much. Hasn't it always been in the four thousand member range? I think so. It's it's sort of uh, just they they've had a little boost from when they had a television show on, and you know some and and with the uh, the the recent you know since twenty seventeen to more people talking about UFOs in the in the mainstream media. I'm sure they benefited from that, but you would think. You know, if they were really doing things right, it would have just exploded. It would have maybe doubled or tripled. So, but I just don't think that um, it, there, there's a number of, of problems. And I think in, in their response to things has been to, uh, you know, they've tried to commercialize things more. They've had the, you know, the MUFON TV channel and they used to uh, allow pretty good 
search for just any person of, of the database to find cases, and now membership was required, and I think it's gotten even more closely controlled. So, you know, we, we talked about about APRO circling their wagons. It seems like MUFON's in that stage of their uh, um, their cycle. Well, remember, it was derived from APRO in the first place. It was a splinter organization. Anyway, let's get away from the UFO clubs and get into more stuff. Tim, you have some questions from our audience? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, our first question is from SLR Plus, and uh, they asked since beginning... It's bringing it up. Why not drive into UFOlogy's dumpster? Ooh, like that. Question is, where to start? So many tire fires, and yet so little time. So he says, for anyone willing to take a stab at it, to anyone's knowledge, did uh, Habib Masan ever fork over the 10K promise to the person who provided truthful information on the whereabouts of the Bean's body shown during the Bee Witness event, which allowed its location and retrieval. He says, I'm simply going out on a limb here and suggesting the beneficiary would be that of the Roswell Slides Research Group. Oh, boy. So yeah. <laughs> I, I can answer that question, but do, do either one of you want to give the, the listeners a, a recap on who Jaime Masson is and what he, what he does? Let's give him the one minute he deserves. <laughs> well, he's the, um, from Mexico, and uh, he has a show. I can't remember the name of the show, but I know he's been called. His show is like the Mexican 60 Minutes, I at one time heard. But I think he's probably best known. Well, recently he's been known because he's gotten himself involved with the uh, Peruvian alien bodies that were shown, I guess, a couple of times in front of the uh, Mexican Congress trying to uh, say that these uh, were, were actual extraterrestrial uh, uh, beings. Uh, but he's also well known for the whole Roswell Slides uh, fiasco and actually had a televised event where they sold tickets to actually be there or to uh, view it live. And uh, um, Red Pill Junkie who uh, used to be part of the show, who's from Mexico, uh, actually, uh, I think uh, I think he was actually there at the presentation. Right. Yeah, and so, so Masan, there, there's, he's, <laughs> the old UFO watchdog site had a, had a, uh, an entry on Masan. So one of the, the other things he's done is it, there's been a number of times over the career, his career where he's, He's produced the body of some weird creature claiming that it's a cryptid or an alien. And um, he um, on his on his his show uh, and his conference appearances will present just about any picture or video, no matter how unlikely. And, you know, it's you know, he has a constant need to promote new material for his audience. So anyway, one in the Roswell slide that you mentioned back in. Uh, 2015, he had he was promoting this event where Tom Carey and uh, Don Schmidt had been approached by someone who had come across this slide with there was two Kodak slides of supposedly an alien body, and they connected it to the Roswell event. Thought that that um, 
President Eisenhower had somehow been involved in his earlier military career and granting them access. Uh, you know, it was a pretty convoluted and imaginative story. Well, it was eventually revealed. Um, the the pictures were presented at this at this conference, and there was a, a live stream event that was a kind of a pay per view thing. And and once the pictures were out, the um, one in one of the slides, there was a shot of what was actually a sign on the body. Uh, and the Roswell Science Research Group that was mentioned, I was I was part of that team, and and a French member took this blurry picture and used software on it to stabilize it. And it was a description, mummified body of two year old child. The it was in a glass case inside of a museum in Mesa Verde, New Mexico, or is it Arizona? I forget. Um, but it was just the fact that it was a, a desiccated child's body that that looked strange and it was small. So, you know, it kind of looked like maybe you could imagine that was an alien. So, so Masson did not accept the explanation and he offered people uh, $10,000 if you could produce the body $5,000 if you could find another picture of it in the mm. museum setting, something like that. So he, you know, he refused to believe it, maintained it was still alien. And, uh, so, uh, 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 I don't associate's not the word. I don't know him personally exactly, but uh, Shepard Johnson, someone I know through uh, UFO correspondence, he had, he contacted me, uh, said that he wanted to get um, a Freedom of Information Act request to the National Park Service. It was only a month later that they sent him this huge file that included a picture of that body, documentation on where the child's body had been found, the person that discovered it. Unfortunately, he was basically, um, you know, he, he requested it, it was sent to him, and, and it was shared publicly. And this researcher, Tony Bragalia, who had been instrumental in hyping and promoting the this, this slides as alien, he, uh, he basically was caller number 10 and he got the uh, he got the five thousand dollar reward so the the person that was uh rightfully should be credited for for proving i mean you know we we already knew that reasonably that it was not alien just from what the evidence in the picture itself but the documentation from the museum is what what actually proved it It is something you could take to court more about the not Roswell Slides with Kurt, Tim, and Gene. You're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you love reading about the mysteries of the universe? Do you wonder what secrets are hidden in the shadows of our own planet? If so, you won't want to miss these two amazing books by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. In Mimics, The Others Among Us, you'll explore the world of the mimics of man, beings that can look like us but are not. They've been among us since the beginning of history, hiding in plain sight, influencing our culture in ways we can scarcely imagine. In Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters, 
you'll discover the so-called hard evidence of UFOs that's been available for study this entire time, but for the most part has been ignored. These two books will open your eyes to a hidden reality that has been right in front of our eyes all along. That's Mimics, The Others Among Us, and Alien Artifacts, Incredible Evidence of Exotic Material from UFO Encounters by Tim R. Swartz and Sean Castile. Available now on Amazon.com. I need to pay my taxes. What are my payment options? The IRS has several options for paying your taxes. You can pay with IRS Direct Pay, a debit or credit card, or with an electronic funds withdrawal when you e-file your return. If you can't pay the full amount, consider paying over time with an online payment agreement or our Offer in Compromise program. Both tools are available on irs.gov. Go to irs.gov payment to find an option that is best suited for you. Jose works on a farm. Safety is important. His boss calls 811 to determine where it's okay to dig. This protects Jose from hitting an underground line and from serious injury. Because Jose can't tell exactly where or how deep the lines are, he doesn't dig until 811 tells him it's safe. The most important thing is that Jose works safe and goes home to his family. For more information, visit farmsafe811.org. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. What do I mean by not Roswell slides? Because not Roswell slides is what Kevin Randall referred to them, because they were not Roswell slides. Now, I don't know if we should mention too much about this Mr. Begalia (laughs) and his connection with all this. Or maybe we should. Well, so he was very much a part of this. He uh, he leaked information to uh, to a, a blogger whose name I don't want to mention, really, and and really kept this ball rolling for maybe a year and a half before the event. You know, his support of it came up with. So one of the problems with conspiracy theories is you have this information, and then you connect the dots. So, you know, he connected the, the people that had the pictures to um, General Eisenhower because the, the military clearance must have been necessary. There were pictures of airplanes. Well, he was he either determined or convinced himself that the uh, the wife of the, of the couple, that she was a pilot. And, and there were all sorts of there was this whole web that he concluded. Well, when it came out, you know, first of all, Roswell wasn't part of it, and the Eisenhower pictures were were taken from a, one of his publicity stops, where they, you know, a, a whistle stop tour on a train. So there was no personal connection, and it was just all this conjecture that got spun into this web. And this happens all the time with Jack the Ripper theories and JFK assassination things, and you know, you, you name it. Uh, where the imagination takes over, but includes some known facts, but the connections between them are, are not of subs, you know any sub- substantial nature at all. And uh, I don't think that's an exception for the work of Tony Bregalia. He's he's got tons of articles online, and his his methods are are bad, uh, in my opinion, because he'll sometimes ring up an old person 
I literally mean an old person that was involved in something, whether it was a Roswell case or, or had worked for a military institution. And he'll demand that, you know, out of patriotism, that they admit that something was connected and they had seen an alien autopsy or something along those lines. And when they say, no, I didn't take part in that, I don't know what you're talking about, he takes it as a denial and he accuses them of, you know, betraying the United States and, you know, the public good and things like that. So he's a bit of an extremist. Tony, if you're listening, I'm sure you'll disagree with what I've said, but this has been my history and experience. Let me just tell our listeners very quickly. In his recent appearance in the Paracast, George Wingfield identified one or two people who might be using the name Anthony Bregalia. Okay? I received a letter from Bregalia very recently where he said, well, look, all these people know me, and he gives a complete list. He boasted that every article he puts on his site has 100,000 views, which we can't verify. That's a lot. And he also gave me a phone number, which I will not say on the air, but it is a Florida-based area code. So I guess we will eventually talk with him. I have asked him to follow up because I'd like to get him on the air if he wants to come and let him talk to Wingfield. Let them debate back and forth and we can see where they stand. I will be frank, folks. I'd love to see it happen. But the chances that it will happen, well, how far below zero can you go? <laughs> well, as for the uh, um, the Roswell slide, I mean, I think that it had been deliberately blurred on its release. And, and there was even some leaks beforehand where it was even more blurred, but uh, just because the clear version of it, you can tell that it was taken in, in like a small museum somewhere and that you were looking at the mummified body of probably a Native American. I mean, it was uh, obviously uh, mummified and, and dark-skinned. And it would, to me, I mean, it, it took a great leap of an, of an imagination that you were looking at something extraterrestrial. Oh, I, I agree. And I don't know how this could have been. Um, it, it was it was a year or two, maybe, that these, these slides were supposedly examined and shown to all sorts of experts and, you know, that that it baffled them. Um, you know, I, I think there was probably there was some rejection and that they, they, they just didn't want to hear it. They were so determined to prove that it was alien that they, they were just only listening to supportive data but i mean there were so many clues in it i mean there's a it's a conventional glass case you can see the brackets and things and if this was an alien body you you would think it would be in some kind of a clean room and you know and possibly on an autopsy setting or something like that but you know here's a little sign whether you can clearly read it or not you know it usually top secret labs don't have little signs on them to to say what they are. And there were even items in the background. And you could see um, in one of the pictures, there's a, uh, a woman standing behind the glass case. And you can see that she's in a blue dress, which is not standard wear for, you know, there was nothing about it that really fit the story. And somehow they went with it anyway. 
Well, this guy, Musan, worries me. He, I saw him quoted very recently on some matters, but the issue is here, when has he ever, ever been right about anything? <laughs> Anytime, anywhere. You know, the well, boy now, okay. who cried wolf, the man who cried wolf, what has he ever said that you could verify? I th- I think that he he did some good work uh, with the the whole um, oh uh, Mexican UFO sightings and I can't remember uh, exactly uh, when they started. There was an eclipse going on, and uh, there was uh, 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 pictures and videos taken of a UFO over Mexico City, which then spread throughout Mexico and and uh, Basan and his show covered that quite a bit and I, I you know brought a lot of, of international attention to this UFO flap going on in Mexico okay so a stopped watch is right twice a day <laughs> oh that's kind of how I feel the, the the thing is he he will he will present any kind of of UFO evidence, genuine or not, and uh, that—that's—that's that's my problem with it. There's got to be, if there's no reject pile, I have a big problem with that. Well, yeah, how you tell what's the legitimate stuff and what's, you know, a steaming pile somewhere? <laughs> if a person gives you something where ninety percent of it is steaming piles. He must be making extra money from the steaming piles. Well, he he has or did have. I don't know if he still has it or not. That television show. So you know, gotta gotta sell that commercial time. Right, but remember, with the television show, it doesn't have to be accurate. It has to have good ratings and sell. We don't want to get into the news outlets around there, but you see the picture. You can have the greatest, most well, we scientific have, uh, show everywhere, but if it doesn't get the ratings, doesn't sell ads, forget about it. Tim? Well, I was going to say, we have a uh, um, uh, another question from uh, uh, our good friend uh, Richard Hawkins, and uh, uh, he wants to know if we could discuss uh, Tim Beckley for a moment. He says, we all knew him, and we all know about his books and his work, but do any of us know what his personal thoughts on the UFO phenomena was. Let me, well, let me tell you quickly. I'll tell you quickly, and then we'll go on with Kurt. I first encountered Tim Beckley when I was 15 and he was 13. All right? And I think we were kind of rifles because we had rival flying saucer clubs. But Tim was really smart in one way, which is even as a young teenager... He understood how to merchandise the things he did and how to sell the things he did. And I think that's one of his biggest characteristics. We have more to come. Kurt, Gene, Tim, you're in? The Pentecost. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code 
legendary to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream, a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more. Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. The only way to access our low rates and save up to 70% is to call. Save hundreds on your vacation tickets by calling right now. You can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices on your airline. Airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines. 802-341-4535. That's 802-341-4535. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. Tehebo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100, shopsupertea.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
As our listeners know, Tim was actually an associate producer of the PowerCast and helped us get some pretty good guests. And the one thing I'll say about my memories of Tim, he put out a lot of stuff that you question. He put out some good stuff, and of course, our co-host Tim Swartz worked with him for a number of years. Tim was also very honest. I did some work for him for a number of years in helping him put and lay out his books and magazines. And he paid. He always paid. I never had to ask him. He'd even advance some money if I needed it. So in that sense, he was a good guy. I worked in an office next to his apartment in New York. And so I see him occasionally. So I miss him. He was a fun kind of guy with lots of tremendous stories to tell. Did he have a serious interest? Yes, folks, he did. He really felt there was a genuine phenomenon involved that we need to understand. But again, he was also into merchandising. Kurt, you're about to say something about Mr. Beckley. Oh, yeah, I was going to say I knew less than, less than either of you two, so I was going to go first. <laughs> so I, I knew him mainly from reputation. Um, you know, I saw that there were a lot of uh, sensational things that, that, that he had, had printed. I, I've gone back and looked at, at some of the, the periodicals that he had and, you know, the, the publications, you know, the books for sale that both by him and other people. And, you know, it, it really covered the spectrum and uh, you know, there were a lot of really bizarre fringe things the the few times that I emailed and contacted him usually it was about some obscure question and you know he had dealt with so much over the years you know there was there were only a few times where he actually you know had a, had a good solid memory but you know he was always willing to help and so uh, you know I was pleased with 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 that attitude and you know, I, I wish I'd gotten a chance to to know a little bit more about him. He's responsible for for popularizing one of the the big legends in ufology that that I've I've written about, which was the the Jackie Gleason Nixon encounter of bodies. You know, he talked to uh, Larry Warren, who had a had a story about hearing that supposedly from Jackie Gleason himself. And the story is is full of holes, but you know, it was something that he heard and that that. Tim Beckley heard from Warren himself, and he shared the information. And it's uh, it's really had a huge life, still circulating. Tell our Tim, listeners know, very quickly what the legend's all about. Oh well, supposedly uh, Jackie Gleason was uh, was in in uh, forgotten the actual city, but near Miami, where, where Gleason's golf course was there for a tournament, and and, and President Nixon did actually give a. Uh, a short speech on on the course one day. So, you know, they did play golf together a little bit. You know, some people are saying they were like dear friends, which may be an exaggeration. As the story goes, one night, Nixon showed up and took Gleason to a a, a nearby base and showed him UFO wreckage and alien bodies in freezers. And there's no supporting evidence for any of this and you know it it, and supposedly jackie gleason in the original version which was told by jackie gleason's wife you know she was the only one to know about it and then later after gleason's death larry warren said that that he sort of had it in a casual conversation visiting gleason's mansion in new york and the flaw with that story is that gleason had had moved to permanently to Florida in the 60s and no longer owned a property there. So that's a big hole in the story. 
that's that's it. It's just another secondhand story, like so many in ufology. And it, there was really nothing, no new element in it. It was just another crash saucer and bodies and nothing in there to tell us where they came from or, you know, a trace of physical evidence. Yeah, Gleason had a, a, a pretty massive library on UFOs. And, and in fact, I think that uh, it may have been in Florida. He had a, a like a UFO shaped house, or at least it was, you know, kind of saucer shaped (laughs) maybe you're thinking of electric light orchestra and the exhibit (laughs) they bring on their shows for a number of years yeah i saw that show with the uh, ufo so no gleason's house was uh uh definitely you know saucer shaped it wasn't one of those you know like pre uh uh, uh, pre-made uh, uh, UFO houses that were popular in the 60s. This one was very big and and obviously very expensive. Uh, yeah, well, Tim's right on that. That was in New Jersey. That it was, was New in, Jersey? In, okay. in the in the 60s, and the, the the main house was was round, somewhat saucer shaped, but the um, the uh, the little studio or garage or whatever was next to it was more definitely uh, a UFO shaped creation and uh but but yeah he had a huge library and not just ufo i mean he was he was actually probably more interested in the 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 esb uh uh, paranormal reincarnation and ufo was just part of the spectrum of his of of paranormal beliefs that that you know but he was uh he was apparently strongly convinced that we were being visited by aliens um he famously got in an argument with uh, Gray Barker on the John Neville show, mm-hmm. uh, where he thought that, that Gray Barker had gone too far in some of the outlandish mm-hmm. incidents. So it's not like his belief had no limits. You know, he wanted to keep things realistic and uh, didn't think it was a, a silly topic at all. Well, we understand with Gray Barker, he was 100% on the money there. Gray, I think, started out to be very seriously interested in. UFOs that over time decided to add more and more embellishments, to put it mildly. Tell us more about your history with Tim Beckley, Mr. Swartz. Well, I first uh, met Tim in 1983 after I had uh, uh, done an interview with um, J. Allen Hynek at the uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base uh, uh, Museum, uh, Aerospace Museum. Uh, Heineck had been there giving a talk. It was some anniversary for uh, Project Blue Book. So I interviewed him for the local uh, CBS station and then put the story up on the uh, satellite feed uh, that was uh, uh, available for then all the CBS stations uh, around the country. And, you know, Beckley must have saw that in one of the New York stations because he got a hold of me and wanted a copy, and I sent him a VHS copy. And, you know, that's that's how it uh, started for us. And then years later, I actually... You know, started writing for him, you know, writing books for his uh, company, articles for his magazines and, and things like that. And as, you know, as Gene said, I mean, he was very honest in in his work. Uh, uh, like Gene said, I mean, you know, he was one of the few publishers that actually paid on time and uh, um, was was very good about that. Um and as Gene said, I mean, he knew how to market 
the subject. You know, uh, some people said that uh, there wasn't a, a UFO st- uh, um, story or explanation that Beckley didn't like, which wasn't true. We'll continue right. with more remembrances of Tim Beckley with Tim Swartz, Kurt Collins, and Gene Steinberg. You're in the Pentecost. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. USA News Update. The serial killer in Los Angeles caught USA's Skip Kelly with more. A suspect accused of killing three homeless men in L.A. has been apprehended. He was already in custody for another murder near L.A. Los Angeles County Sheriff Robert Luna here. By Thursday morning, they placed Jared Joseph Powell under arrest for murder and robbery. He was charged with three homeless men's killings after a car identified near the first shooting was confirmed as the same vehicle present at the scene's of the three homeless men's killings. In other news, you can hear the chaos after a bombing in the Philippines. The president there urging calm and promising justice. At least four people killed during the Catholic Mass. The attack comes just one day after the Philippine military killed 11 terrorists from an Islamic extremist group. And I'm Laura Winters, USA News. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. You should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com The Silver Lungs Generator is the only all-encompassing professional-class product for producing endless colloidal and ionic silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. 
With recent regulations threatening the sale of silver-based supplements, now you can secure yourself and your family by producing your own silver solutions anywhere, anytime. You can have the peace of mind knowing that you can create endless supply of silver anytime, anywhere, for any application. The Silver Lungs Generator is a one-time purchase that requires no maintenance nor replacement parts for the life of the unit. This product was designed to be an invaluable part of your vital preparations. For a detailed report on the differences between ionic silver, colloidal silver, and what most silver solution manufacturers are producing, please visit our website at www.silverlungs.com for more information on why you should be producing your own silver solutions right from your home forever. This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Tim's talking about his many years of working with Tim Beckley, and we'll continue with his descriptions. Go ahead, please. Well, you know, like I said, uh, a lot of people said that there wasn't a a UFO story or explanation that Beckley didn't like or or would embrace, and that's not true, but he felt that people should hear this stuff, whether, you know, it was off-the-wall crazy woohoo stuff. He still felt that, uh, you know, it, it had some kind of, of value and and people, you know, needed to hear it. And plus, I'm sure that uh, some of the crazier stuff brought in more more money than like what we were talking about earlier with the uh, more mundane UFO stories. As for what Beckley himself believed in, I think that, you know, like the last few decades of his life, he was born more starting to embrace the the whole paranormal interdimensional type of of ideas around the UFO phenomena. He didn't he didn't feel, you know, that it was exclusively extraterrestrials. I mean, uh, like uh, you know, he said that could be part of it. But he felt there was other aspects to the phenomena that, you know, either it's hard to say. But yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it, some of the, the the high weirder, high strangest types of cases that uh, were always kind of of confounding uh, to him. He was thinking that uh, there was more to it than just nuts and bolts uh, explorers from other planets. Kind of like what Jim Mosley used to call it the four-and-a-half-D theory. But even Dr. Hynek in his latter years was moving in that direction. Oh, absolutely. You know, the interview that I said that I did with him in 83, at that point, he talked quite a bit about other dimensions and uh, other realities that, uh, that could be the source for UFOs. I interviewed Dr. Hynek in the mid-'70s. I wish I had the recording. I'm sure it's here somewhere. I may find it someday. In the meantime, he was saying pretty much the same thing then. But, Tim, do you have your recording still? I probably do. It would be on some of the uh, three-quarter-inch tapes that I have in my basement. 
and uh, good luck trying to find <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, a three yeah three order a three quarter inch uh, uh, player anymore. I mean, I know it's it's not impossible, but I got I have a huge collection of my work that some of that some of them when I had the chance I put on VHS. But good luck finding a VHS player now. Well, <laughs> I'm sure there are other things that are worth finding. I, I we're, we're all going to encourage you to uh, organize your collection and. Uh, that and some of the other treasures I think would be worth seeing. It would be fun also to include the audio or the video file for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. I would assume one of your local TV stations, Tim, would have a three-quarter inch player. Oh, I doubt it. I doubt it. Most television stations now have switched over to digital. And even if they do, even if they did still have the three-quarter inch decks, you know, like down in the basement somewhere, they've, they probably don't have any way to connect them up anymore. Because, I mean, you know, you're talking about analog players, recorders, editors, that sort of thing. And everybody's digital now. It's just... Uh, uh, I would I would have loved to have been able to work more with the uh, digital aspect that they have now, but yeah, I mean, in my day, it was all uh, analog. It was either three quarter inch or or beta, you know, broadcast beta. And uh, near the end of my career, they were just starting to get into digital, but it was still being recorded on magnetic tape. I just think, though, if you could bring that into a computer and take Premiere or Final Cut Pro and edit and enhance those images, they'd really look quite good. Well, you know, maybe what you should do here, and we'll do it on the air right now, if somebody out there in Indiana near you, Tim, had a working three-quarter inch player, possibly an old TV set with the proper connection, which is also important, so it's not HDMI or something, would you be interested in fishing out some of your recordings and trying to make a duplicate? Oh, absolutely. I'd have to see, you know, where where I've got it. You know, because most of my work was not UFO related, naturally. You know, I mean, I was in the in the news and uh, a production game and it was, uh, you know, the very little having to do with UFOs or ghosts and you know things like that. I got a, I got a ton of tapes on my you know travels across the world you know China Bulgaria places like that but uh, they're just now sitting still in their cases in my basement. The only concern I would have, of course, is the longevity of magnetic tape. Yeah, the you know the professional tapes that I use, which were you know most of them, the stations would buy would be three M, would probably still hold up. Now, uh, you know, you were talking before about uh, uh, your cassette tape recordings, and and I know I tried to play uh, cassette tape recordings I made back in the seventies, uh, uh, and there was nothing on them. It was it was uh, uh, like I don't know. <laughs> they after a while the um, oxide wears off or something, but uh, yeah, yes. all these all these tapes that uh, that I had made as a kid, you know, back in the uh, mid seventies are are now blank, even though I know that they weren't. <laughs> oh, we no. actually have a recording of one of my wife's songs that she sang called "Love Is the Reason," written by a guy named Michael Kingsley who worked with her. It was done in a studio called North Lake Sound, and we had a cassette of 
We also have the original, was it two-inch tapes, the ones where you had 24-track mm-hmm. studios. And the cassette was in pretty good condition. The only thing, there was a lot of hiss on it because I didn't have Dolby filtering in the particular cassette machine I set up. But it is in our form if you want to listen to it. She's a really, really good singer. And it's unfortunate that we ran out of money, which is quite often the case when you're trying to get into these careers before she could hit that next step and she was close. We, In fact, we had a, a guy who produced her last recordings was a guy named Rob Sabino, who in the 80s produced Madonna and Chic and David Bowie and that kind of thing. He was a first-class producer, and he did the work for us, but we ran out of the cash to finish the project. And that's not unusual in the rock field. There are rock musicians who became very famous almost when they were completely broke and couldn't afford their next meal. I mean, you got to think about Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks before they joined Fleetwood Mac, or Eurythmics, Dave Stewart and uh, Annie Lennox. They had just enough money to buy the electronic gear when they did their first recordings and became big hits. They were broke, solid, flat broke. So maybe we should have kept it on, just saying. Yeah, talent and management and finance, it's its really hard to get all those together. A lot of, a lot of talented people go nowhere. There's just, you know, they just don't connect with and uh, get the get the product out there for the public to see. You know, from, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of of all the. There, there's a lot of junk on YouTube, but it's allowed a lot of people to get exposure and uh, in you know get a message across. And there there are people who have all sorts of ideas. You know, it, from makeup to dance to to UFOs, UFO research. So. That, that, that's been a, something that kind of helped level the playing field. Well, they have, of course, people running full-time businesses on YouTube. There's a guy named Adam Reeder who was professor of rock. And he interviews people who are very, very famous on that show. And he's set up the business strictly on YouTube. Of course, he sells merch and everything, too. But that's where it originates from. we got more to come with... Kurt, Gene, and Tim, you're in the Pedagast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week. 
less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. The Silver Lungs Generator is the only all-encompassing professional class product for producing endless colloidal and ionic silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. With recent regulations threatening the sale of silver-based supplements, now you can secure yourself and your family by producing your own silver solutions anywhere, anytime. You can have the peace of mind knowing that you can create endless supply of silver anytime, anywhere, for any application. The Silver Lungs Generator is a one-time purchase that requires no maintenance nor replacement parts for the life of the unit. This product was designed to be an invaluable part of your vital preparations. For a detailed report on the differences between ionic silver, colloidal silver, and what most silver solution manufacturers are producing, please visit our website at www.silverlungs.com for more information on why you should be producing your own silver solutions right from your home forever. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in his free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at. No pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream to the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Now, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Before we go on, folks, any further comments to make about the one and only Timothy Green Beckley? Well, you know, I think a lot of the things that he uh, focused on, like I remember his book on uh, uh, celebrity sightings of UFOs, you know, something that's very relatable to the public. And I think uh, it would have been interesting if he had made the business connections to reach a mainstream audience. You know what? You know things might have might have been a little 
a little different. I think you know the the focus on, on uh, some of the the better known and, and well documented cases might might have been there. But you know a lot of a lot of the things though that he did are still of interest today. So anyway, like I said, in my few dealings with him, I found him to be a nice guy. So that's all from here. He was known as Mr. UFO, and that name was given to him by a member of the band Kiss, as I recall. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> it is. Also, he did an interview with May Pang, who was, as we recall, for a time the girlfriend of, of John Lennon. When John Lennon had a temporary split from Yoko Ono, she set him up with May Pang, and together they saw a UFO from New York which formed the basis, by the way, of a lyric line in one of his songs. That's a pretty interesting story. You know, he he did a few sketches on that, and he told the story on film. Apparently it was, a you know, very important. Whether it was physically real, I don't know. I don't think there's any evidence, but it was meaningful to him. There was a second witness, so, you know, we have to take it and give it some credibility. She's still around, by the way, so maybe one of these days we should try to find her and see if she wants to talk about it in further detail. Interesting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who are interested in UFOs are in show business. Years ago, Creedence Clearwater Revival did a UFO song. Jimi Hendrix did a UFO song. Then, of course, The Carpenters did a UFO song written by a band called Clatu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you remember that, it's still online, by the way. And anything from the Carpenters are worth it because she had the most incredible singing voice ever. And she died of anorexia like in her 30s. She was also an incredible drummer, by the way, first class, one of the best in the world. But very few people know that. But anyway, a lot of performing artists had either a UFO experience or wrote a song about UFOs. And, of course, we have this band, which is a UFO legend itself, the Foo Fighters. And the Foo Fighters, of course, owes the name to the things seen in World War II. And the Foo Fighters' recording label is called Roswell. (laughs) I remember the the band Boston used UFO imagery on their covers. And it seems like the band, yes, had some uh, imagery on theirs, too. And, And, of course, we already mentioned Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah, no one ever asked Jeff Lynn about his interest in UFOs. They talk about the exhibit as if it's something that's big and showy because the way they presented themselves was big and showy. But that question is never asked of him. At least I don't know about it. Maybe somebody does. Hmm. Not that I've heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't know if anybody has ever... Talk to him about if he had any interest in UFOs, or if the you know the design from the out of the blue cover and then the uh, the actual physical staged UFO came from him or you know somebody else. Of course, there's the pop culture aspect of it too, that you seize upon topics for songs and presentation based on what people are doing, what people are talking about. If they were into sci-fi they watch Star Trek or Star Wars or something, we could see where it influenced their songs because that's how they were written. You know, an idea occurs to you, maybe you see something. It's like crazy stories like the song Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. Mark Knopfler was in an appliance store and some guy in the back, a delivery guy or something, is talking back at the TV. The lyrics, you know, 
you know, money for nothing and chicks for free, those lyrics. And he took his pen, he tells the story, he took a pen, got a pad of paper from the store counter, and while this guy's talking, he writes it down, and that becomes the core of the lyrics for the song Money for Nothing. Now, the only question I never heard anyone ask of him is, okay, you made a lot of money from this song. Actually, Sting did too, because he did the backup vocals and had to have a piece of the action. Did you ever look up this guy at the appliance store and give him a check? <laughs> that would be that would be interesting. Kurt, looking at the UFO culture, what's going on today? David Grush, all this stuff, the Pentagon UFO program, Arrow, as opposed to APRO. Do you think anything is ever going to be resolved, or is this going to be one of those dreams that are never fulfilled? Ah. Uh. I'll tell you, mostly, I really feel that it's a, it's a lot of spinning wheels, but there's some sincere effort out there. And there are some things that are being tried now that haven't been done before with instrumentation, and there's more access. So there is a chance, and I hold out hope for that. I, you know, there's some more legitimacy given to it by more scientists. You know, it's taken a little more seriously. So I, a lot of this is window dressing. Or some of it is the ego of the people, the promoters and things like that. But I do think, you know, we're better situated than we've ever been before. There's more technology. There's, like I say, the legitimate scientists. So let's give it a chance. I'm not going to I'm not going to say never. Well, Dr. Kirkpatrick, who's leaving the Arrow program, basically says privately he doesn't deny there are extraterrestrials. They just officially say there is no evidence, but then they never are asked to find the evidence. So frustrating that you have people make statements. This is true in politics, especially, where nobody asks the follow-up question. Who, what, where, why, when? Ask the follow-up. Oh, well. I kind of think the same thing, folks. I don't think anything's going to be resolved. I think David Grush will disappear with... Luis Elizondo. No, he's still around, but what has he done for us lately? I want to know. You don't think it's ever going to be resolved, Tim, do you? Mm, probably not. No. <laughs> I would be surprised in my lifetime if it was, and then it would never be to anybody's satisfaction. Well, it may be destined to remain a mystery. That's the big thing I bring up sometimes, because at my age, you think it better happen soon or... I will be the oldest man on planet Earth before it does happen. So we have to consider it that way, whether that's a possibility. Kurt Collins, for people who are just aching to know what you're up to and they should learn, where can they find more of your stuff? I've got lots of articles on UFO history and the, the weird happenings and characters at the Saucers at Time Forgot. And I also have another site called Blue Glory Lines, which deals more in modern events and the people and places and things. You can check them out on Google or air.com to either of those names to find them. Tim Swartz, you are always into many things. Tell us more. Sure. Well, you can find all of my books on Amazon.com. Just type in my name, Tim R. Swartz, and uh, they'll all come tumbling out for your reading pleasure, both as uh, print and ebooks. Uh, our most recent book is Mimics the Others Among Us, and we have a lot of, of guest authors in this book, and Gene Steinberg is one as well. So get out and get yourself a uh, copy today. 
My website is conspiracyjournal.com. You know, I haven't updated it in a while. I, I really do need to maybe uh, come up with a different site. Uh, I'm working on that. We'll see. But uh, as with Conspiracy Journal, we like to say that it has all the weird news and information that they don't want you to know. They want us to tell you that you can find us as the Paracast on Threads, on X, or whatever it's going to be called if Elon Musk is thrown out, <laughs> or on Facebook. We haven't done TikTok yet, okay? No TikTok yet. Maybe next year when I get a watch. You can also buy branded merchandise for the Paracast at the Paracast shop with four different logos to choose from. We offer the Paracast Plus, a streaming service that includes this show without network ads with better audio, the After the Paracast podcast where we continue discussions or have a few exclusive things going on after the Paracast. Learn more. Go to theparacast.plus, theparacast.plus. You can sign up in a minute. The lowest prices ever for subscriptions, theparacast.plus. Kurt Collins, Tim Swartz, thank you for making this another special roundtable for the Paracast. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks, Gene. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.